Halen ako ang Donru of Smaipa Pacific Waves to RNZ Pacific Aroposangku Koroy Hawkins. Coming up first. Uh, we gave our advice to the aviation industry as well as the mariners to stay away from the east of the AP Island region. Communities in Vanuatu Shepherd Islands are on alert as a submarine volcano erupts also. We're looking at the Ministry of Health legislation and also its uh, reg- regulations. The Cook Islands looks to import medicinal cannabis for the first time and... The Haipule rose for Atahu and Hakaho, they, they, still, they still voted in the same Haipules as before. The results for the 2023 Tokelau election are finally in despite connectivity challenges during vote counting. A submarine volcano has erupted just six kilometres east of the island of Epi in Vanuatu. The volcano, named East Epi Submarine Volcano, has been slowly increasing in trembles, spitting smoke from around 6am this morning. A coastal watch alert has also been issued for other islands surrounding Epi, as well as aerial and maritime warnings. Senior Volcano Officer at Vanuatu Metrology and Geohazards Department, Ricardo Williams, says it's small but ongoing. Yes, there's a submarine uh, volcano eruption this morning, just east of uh, Epi Island. And was it massive? Is it, is it still ongoing? It's it's still ongoing, but it's not uh, too big. It's just a bit of steam uh, that started around six six o'clock this morning, one or two time, and then uh, the, the volcano activity increased a little bit to. Uh, explosions that, that propel us to some hundred kilometers, but falls uh, within the area of volca- submarine volcano. And uh, how far is it from the nearest inhabited island? Uh, just uh, six kilometers. So it's uh, just uh, close to the Epi Island. And uh, have you named the volcano yet? Yeah. Yes. Uh, this volcano we call it uh, East. Epi submarine volcano. Are there any uh, warnings for maybe planes or any uh, tsunami warnings? We we issued uh, well, information this morning. In in our information, we mentioned uh, we gave gave out advice to the aviation industry as well as the mariners to stay away from the east of the Epi Island region, and uh, also we issued a watch alert to. Uh, the coastal areas of AP and the surrounding islands for any possible uh, wave uh, that could be generated from a strong explosion. Is there any more information about this that you'd like to add? Uh, the Vanuatu Meteorology and Geosets Department are monitoring the volcano activity closely through our monitoring system uh, and we will issue any information on Facebook and uh, also on our website as we collect more data. Well, can it become bigger and more disastrous, do you think? Or would it, is it just a small... Based on the past uh, activity for that volcano, usually it, uh, the activity increases to as it is now and then uh, dies down again. That was RNZ Pacific reporter Jan Kohol speaking there with Ricardo Williams. The Cook Islands is seeing if it can import medicinal cannabis without changing any of its laws. The country voted in favour of cannabis being allowed for medicinal use in a referendum during the 2022 general election. 
a government-created committee for medicinal cannabis, is exploring the legal framework. The committee chair, Minister Tinika Elikana, speaks with Caleb Fotheringham. What might change in terms of Cook Islands laws? The first one is we're looking at the Ministry of Health legislation and also its uh, regulations in terms of whether there are powers under the current legal framework to enable the Secretary of Health to import into the Cook Islands uh, medicinal purpose and also how we should go about it. We rely on the advice of outside bodies like MedSafe in New Zealand, and I think also there's an Australian body responsible for uh, approving medicines coming into Australia. And also, if it comes from America, then we look at the FDA, whether it's it's an approved medicine. And what it looks like at the moment, can you import cannabis into the Cook Islands? Well, the initial advice is it's quite positive, but uh, I think uh, we are waiting the, the final advice from Crown Law, and there might be some minor changes to current uh, legislation, so we are waiting um, final advice from Crown Law in that respect. In terms of the laws actually changing, I read in Cook Islands News this morning that the Prime Minister said you might look to change the laws a little bit to be more in line with New Zealand Australia. Is that correct? That, that's the view expressed by the Prime Minister, but uh, from from the committee viewpoint, we're going to look at all the possibilities because if we're going to go down the road of manufacturing our own medicinal cannabis, then we look at the issue of possession because you don't want to catch everybody who are legally entitled to possess because of being involved in the manufacturing of uh, cannabis medicine in the Cook Islands. So there might be some areas where possession under license or possessing a, a certain amount for personal use, things like that. I think that's something that the committee will need to look at. Yeah, and in terms of that whole manufacturing inside the Cook Islands, does it seem like there could be quite a big business opportunity there? That's something that those uh, entrepreneurs in the Cook Islands might have to look at. But I think uh, from... Our perspective is just to provide the enabling um, environment if, if there is an opportunity there. Because one of the things we need to consider also is the cost. At the moment, we don't know what the cost is regarding to access to medicinal cannabis. Um, I mean, if the opportunity is it's cheaper for us to manufacture our own and then provide to treat the, those with ailments in the, in the country, then we might have to go down that road and encourage people to to look at that opportunity. Has there been much discussion about recreational use in the committee? No, at the moment, because we're just sticking to the referendum question to to review and then the access to uh, medicinal uh, cannabis and also research into medicinal cannabis. When do you think medicinal cannabis will be in the Cook Islands? It's something that uh, the Ministry of Health has to look at when that can be done because there are other factors like cost, as I just alluded to. The thing is for us to look at the legal framework, whether we can import medicinal cannabis. But at the moment, at the moment, it's looking positive. As I said, it is looking positive, uh, but we're just awaiting a final uh, advice from the Crown Law Office confirming the rise to cabinet the actions necessary to enable the importation of medicinal cannabis into the Cook Islands.
Tokelau has declared the results for the 2023 election in spite of communication problems. Lydia Lewis and our correspondent in Tokelau, Elina Pasilio, covered the election. There was a solid turnout at the polls in Tokelau last week. Everyone couldn't fit inside the Talikilangi, so some people were outside. And um, yeah, I think people were just rushing to go home after the elections because it started raining. But yeah, I could, I'll say that it was buzzing with excitement. Vote counting was challenging due to poor internet connectivity. And so there's two people upstairs at the printer. I, I think, yeah, and they were for policemen um, just trying to print these, but it's taking really long because of the internet. The phone tower has also been playing up. Authorities still managed to get the job done and the results are in. The Haipula rolls for Atahu and Hakaho, they, they still they still voted in their same Haipulas as before. Um, it's still Hoho, Tuisano for Hakaho and Kelihiano Kalolo for Atahu. But it's just Nukunono that voted in a new Haipula who is Pita Tavite. Nukunonu has a new Faipule or cabinet minister following this election. Peter Tavite was voted in. He served as the Tokelau Deputy Director of Health and has been instrumental in the handling of the COVID-19 response. Elena spoke with the new Faipule of Nukunonu last Friday after the results were announced. He told her his focus will be on health and motivating young people to seek a higher education. Just getting heaps of motivations and inspirations for Tokelau students to, you know, want to continue and further education. And with health, he wants to really promote um, healthy living. And that's just two of his points beside everything else that matters to Tokelau. He's looking forward to everything to come and he knows there will be challenges, but he sounds ready to face them. The government of Tokelau says this election, like all elections, was important. The 2023 election more so, as it was the first time all three adults have taken part in the same electoral process. The Henderson Eels Football Club in Solomon Islands says the secret behind securing the first ever professional European football contract for a locally based player is sending the right candidate. This week, the country's rising football star, Rafael Leai, signed for Bosnian top-flight club FK Velez Mostar for an undisclosed amount of money. The Solomon Islands International is valued at £250,000 on one international transfer market website. I spoke with Eels Football Club President Hudson Wakio shortly after the news of the signing broke this week and began by asking him how it all came about. Yeah, we, we cropped the opportunity when it it's, uh, arised uh, Last year, actually, we were trying to send the Rafael to Turkey so that he could make a trial with the another club in Turkey. But due to the visa issue, we 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 go the other way around. We just we sent him to Bosnia so that he can have a preparation with the FK Veles, the current the one that not currently signing him now. So that the initial intention is to send him to to Bosnia make some preparation there before he can go over to uh, Turkey. Uh, the reason why we go that way is because we we, we believe and we think that it's good for Rafael so that he can feel the, the actual uh, European football, so that he can train and he have a chance of 
of signing a contract with the Turkish side. So when he actually went to uh, Bosnia and he started training and the, the, the club that he supposed to be trained with them, they actually interested in him to sign him. So we have a discussion and communication. Uh, as a person who who sponsored Rafael, I accept the the arrangement or the offer. The the very reason I accept the offer is it's quite uh, it's very expensive to keep uh, sponsoring someone who live in Europe. As I mean, you might already aware. Mm-hmm. So when the they interested in him, we accept it because I'm not really much interested in what he signed for right now, but I believe that he. He can grow. He can add value to himself. So if he he go under the right training with the right training, so this is why we accept what the Belles offers and we allow him and release him so that he can sign with them and continue train with them, develop with them, and in the future they, they can sell him for something much much higher. So is um so the just so I get it clear the the Turkish um. Ambition is is now over with this signing for now. Is that the understanding? Uh, yes, for for my arrangement, it's not over. I should say that. But for from for his new club, they can pursue it because he already I already released him. He can sign with them. So with the with this new club, they have uh, like the right to sell him to any more any other club who interested in him in the in the near future. But for our uh, original aim, which is to send him to, to Turkey, I think yes, it's over. Um, now a little bit about Rafael himself. I, I had the the pleasure of hosting him at our home here in Wellington while he was um, here um, earlier in in his career. Uh, yes. Quite a quite a quite a standout player for Solomon Islands. Can you can you probably explain from your your perspective what sets him apart from other players? Given this is a breakthrough into um, the European footballing scene for a Solomon Island player. Yes, I think one of the things that I, I I believe that Rafael is different from most of our players is the discipline-wise and his uh, eagerness to continue push his uh, I mean to challenge himself and push himself to to achieve more I mean higher goals. Like for example, Raf uh, in, in here in Solomon, most of these players they they only train once a day, like in the evening. Uh, maybe very few players, they, they train in the morning and in the, in the evening. But for Rafael, he trains three times a day. Even our club, we only uh, train once a day, only in the evenings. But he do his own training in the morning and he do his own training during the lunch hour and he joined the, the rest of the boys in the evening. And even some of the days, he, he trained four four times. He trained with the national team, with our club, and with do his own training. So one of the things I, I found that Rafael is a bit different from others is he's, he's very disciplined. He don't consume alcohol. He don't smoke. He don't go out. He mostly go to church and his, his training. And the other one is he's really continue pushing himself, like two more training so that he can... Uh, always be the top of his football. Yes, and um, probably worth talking about the impact or even the the 
influence of futsal in Solomon Islands. I know Rafael also comes from that pedigree. Um, how important is that that futsal beginning for young Solomon Islands players coming through the ranks? Yes, I think football is uh, the futsal. It's true, truly half impacts on on Rafael and the rest of the Solomon Island players. One of the reasons I believe that it has an impact on the on a, on the Solomon players is you don't have to play in a uh, in a big field. So like in Solomon, we don't have many many we don't have a lot of fields available for for players to use. So we just use whatever small grounds available to play. Like here in Solomon, most of these uh, our players they train on the the road on the side of the houses, just in a even very small uh, ground we play. So. Yes, football, uh, futsal really have impact because this is where uh, most of these uh, boys, they have access to, to those small pitches. So now, given that we have a two or three available standard um, futsal ground, a futsal uh, uh, field, I think the level of football here will be growing to a new height. Now, um, uh, can we speak? Uh, is it is, are you able to disclose uh, anything about the financial side of the contracts with Lai? What maybe the club got? What his signing salary might be? That kind of detail. Uh, I'm, I think <laughs> I'm not in a position to to disclose it because um, if I could uh, have uh, a, um, permission from the club or Rafael himself, yeah. But what? What I should say is um, he signed a one-and-a-half-year deal with the club. They will be now, now under the contract. Rafael is uh, fully paid. He has a salary for this uh, one-and-a-half-year deal. Uh, all the details himself, I don't really uh, know it, but I might um, get it from the Rafael himself and the clubs sometime soon. Yeah, but for now, um, yeah, I don't really have much information on that as well. That's totally fine. No worries. Um, uh, there, there, there has been quite a debate um, locally, just, just um, uh, in Solomon Islands, about the merits of um, football pathways through New Zealand, through Australia, and and uh, often the views are that Europe is a step too far for for Solomon Islands should focus more on local development in that. But achieving this, what what's the significance in, in that light, sort of talking about pathways for Solomon Islands footballers? For football uh, pathways, uh, I think there are many pathways for our Solomons to follow, especially to to secure a professional contract. All it, all, all, all this, uh, of these part, uh, pathways, they all lead into same uh, goals or same aim, which is to secure a, a, a professional contract. So either going through New Zealand or Australia or Tariff to Europe, I think the, they all lead into the same uh, aims and goals. Uh, the biggest uh, obstacle here is the, the final side of it. Uh, most times going to New Zealand or Australia, it's much cheaper, but you will still end up in Europe if you like to go to Europe. But nowadays you'll see most of these Europeans, they come and play in Australia. So while we're trying to go to Europe, it's Europe they come to us. So I don't really see much much uh, problem with this uh, pathway. As soon as you have the money, you have the the right player. I think if anyone can still secure a contract like like the one that Rafael just signed. For for myself, I think um, I can still uh, help somebody 
or anyone that has a similar capability like Rafael, whether it's Solomon Islander or any island, any Pacific Island uh, player, I'm willing to assist. Yes, like so, so many times, uh, Pacific Island people try to send send their kids to to Europe and other places, but no matter how much money you spend sending your kids to to abroad. If he doesn't have the quality, doesn't have the capability, he will just uh, waste your time. So I think about the bad way doesn't really uh, make sense to me. I think sending the right player is the, the much important something. I can send a lot of players, but if I don't send the right player, then none of them will sign a contract. Yeah, so I think sending the right player is the, the most important aspect here. Mm-mm. And... um. Just in terms, maybe while I have you, uh, uh, one of the senior figures in in sort of football in Solomon Islands, there have been a few big announcements recently about football in Oceania. Um, Obviously, the the new um, qualification um, slots for Oceania going to the World Cup. Also, the 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 more professional regional Oceania League also. Um, uh, Some some really really um, encouraging. Uh, developments in football on, on the horizon for for the Pacific. If I can get your your views and comments on that. Yes, I think that the, appro- the approach that Oceania is taking, I think it's a it's a right approach uh, in terms of um, putting our our Pacific Island teams to a stage where much closer to uh, the footballing nations like in Europe, in South America, in Africa, in Asia. So it's a right right uh, approach. And for as a nation, as a Solomon Island, I think in order for Solomon Island to be competitive on a regional or even international level, I think we must fully participate in those uh, uh, competitions. And we must also try to to send our players to join the professional league abroad, even New Zealand, Australia, and if we have opportunity to send to Europe and Asia. So I think it's a it's a right approach that. Solomon must must fully participate in it. Hudson, thank you so much. Uh, I know you're you're a very busy person. Thank you for making time to speak with us today. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, and you're welcome. Rafael Aliai's new club, Vélez Mostar, has a rich history in European football. Under the former Yugoslavia, it finished runner-up in the National League three times in the 1970s and 80s, and it even reached the quarter-finals of the UEFA Cup in the 1974-75 season. That's specific waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Then hola, no